I wonder if you know what the following folks have in common. Bill Walton, the, the uh, big basketball player for the Portland Trailblazers, the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, Merv Griffin, Clint Eastwood, Joe Namath, Mia Farrow. You know what all those have in common? They all have this in common. Uh, all of these people have, have fallen prey to the emphasis on, I think, unscriptural meditation in our generation. In 1960, a bearded little, little man came west from the eastern part of our world to sell an idea to America. This little guru <coughs> came to America to try to sell us on what we call transcendental meditation. I think that something that is doing irreparable harm to our nation, which I want to call your attention tonight. They said, he said, they spent two years in a cave in the Himalayas. I think he'd spent two years maybe in a nut house or something, but um, in a cave in the Himalayas. And they said he emerged with what we call transcendental meditation. Um, the transcendental meditation is sort of like this. Uh, the people get together and they sit for 20 minutes twice a day and repeat silently a little secret uh, 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 statement. Each man has his own, each person has his own secret statement. And uh, <clears throat> for 20 minutes you're supposed to sit silently and repeat over and over again this little secret statement. Um, adults, by the way, can take such a course that will teach you how to uh, participate in Transcendental Meditation for $125, and uh, students can take it for $65. Now, what they do is they say that you expand the conscious mind and come in contact with a creative intelligence that gives rise to every thought. Uh, <coughs> the uh, course is called The Science of Creative Intelligence. Now, Transcendental Meditation has no inhibitions whatsoever. It is a form of religion never makes anybody any better. In fact, it simply says you, you can go ahead and sin, keep on sinning. It doesn't change your life. It doesn't change your morals at all. It doesn't change your convictions at all. It doesn't change your habits at all. Uh, what it is, it's a, trans, it's a kind of meditation that is uh, uh, made to take away your guilt for sin and to make you enjoy sin more and make you feel like sin is not sin at all. Now, there's something awful sad about this transcendental meditation. Now, people of so-called intelligence are falling for this uh, trash and swallowing it hook, line, and sinker. I made mention a while ago that uh, Bill Walton, the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, Merv Griffin, Clint Eastwood, Joe Namath, Mia Farrah, and others have, um, have fallen prey to this um, form of cultism and uh, um, where... Um, a man can live like he wants to live and yet have some kind of fellowship with that this source of creative intelligence, so they say. Now, one of the things that's sad, did you know this tra that transcendental meditation has already been approved with the state legislature of the state of Illinois, five blocks from where I stand? The legislature has already approved uh, this transcendental meditation. Uh, one state has even put it in the budget. Uh, in the state budget, uh, so many thousands of dollars for a study of transcendental meditation so that criminals and alcoholics and others might be rehabilitated. I wish somebody would go back to the only thing that will ever permanently rehabilitate any alcoholic, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
No, transcendent meditation can't do what the Holy Spirit can do, and reformation can't do what the Holy Spirit can do, and turning over a new leaf can't do what the Holy Spirit can do, and Alcoholics Anonymous can't do what the Holy Spirit could do, and alcoholism is not a sickness, it's a sin, and homosexuality is not a sickness, it's a sin. We come back to saying sin is sin, and wrong is wrong, and black is black, and iniquity is iniquity, and wickedness is wickedness. We'll never change this old nation. No, <coughs> leaving transcendental meditation is what got what not, is not what got us in our mess, and coming back to it won't get us out of our mess. We've got to find out where we were before we got in our mess and what we left. And the simple truth is America left this book, and America's not going to find her answers until she comes back to the book that she left. Um, one senator, I won't give the state, but one senator has even introduced a bill before the United States Senate trying to have a national transcendental meditation week in, in America so uh, we can have that kind of a week. What America needs is the national week of old-fashioned repenting and sackcloth and ashes and closing up liquor stores and closing up adult bookstores and filling up our churches and getting all the liberal preachers to shut up and get all the uh, fundamental preachers to speak up and get all the non-tithers to pay up and, and uh, <clears throat> get all the folks sleeping in church to wake up and... Uh, and uh, that's what America needs. No, we don't need a week of transcendental meditation. We need a week of old-fashioned Holy Ghost revival, getting right with God, repentance, and boy, we get folks born again. And um, that isn't all. Then there's yoga. There's yoga. No, yoga is not a set of exercises. And if you're doing yoga exercises tonight, you fall an easy prey to a cult and a false religion. Um, <coughs> in... Uh, uh, in a book called Major Religions of India, there are three major religions given in the country of India. First is Hinduism, second is Buddhism, and third is religion of yoga. And tonight, if you're doing yoga, uh, you are performing religious ceremonies to a pagan god and to an Indian religion that is listed in India as religion and listed in all intelligent books concerning India's religion as a leading religion in India. Uh, one of the six main systems of, um, of Hindu religion is yoga. It's been practiced for thousands of years. It's nothing new. But you say, I want to be healthy. I'm going to do yoga. Get you a jump rope instead. Good night. Um, and, and, by the way, um, it's, um, they say it is uh, to, give, to give them to gain an audience with the supreme universal uh, conscience. And uh, its exercises, as I said, are religious ceremonies. And by the way, in spite of the fact that this is a false religion from India, one of the three leading religions of India, nevertheless, it is, it is practiced by, by state-supported schools. Take out the Bible and put in yoga. That's folly, foolishness, unthinkable. If you're going to take religion out of the schools, take all religion out of the schools. And uh, so, <clears throat> by the way, if alcoholism is a sin, then teaching temperance is religion. You know what I said? And I'm simply saying the honest, simple truth is we need to get back to the, to, to the to honest, simple teaching of the Bible in the, in the house. Well, what's wrong? What's wrong with yoga in the public school? It's wrong because, simply because it's religion, a heathen religion, and either put the Bible in with yoga or take yoga out with the Bible. Amen. And then there's, um, there, there is another. Uh, 
there, those of us who travel a great deal have seen on streets across the country a little group of uh, bald-headed, shaven, crazy-looking people who, uh, who are chanting and swaying from side to side called the Krishna group. Actually, the movement is called the Krishna Consciousness, and these young people with their shaved heads and their funny-looking attire say that man can save himself and get to heaven by his own deeds. They chant themselves, uh, or they, they chant, and uh, by saying, uh, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, and Hare uh, Rama, and until they enter, after chanting like this, they enter into a state of, of, of trance, and then they are liberated from their bodies into what they call a state of true spirit. Now, all that to say this, and I don't want to go into that a great deal, but in America tonight, and around the world, there is a resurgence of plain old what we call meditation. Now, there's one thing wrong with this meditation, and that is this. The meditation of transcendental meditation, and the meditation of yoga, and the meditation of the Krishna crowd, is a meditation that starts with man instead of God. It starts with man creating his own God instead of a man uh, created by God coming back to fellowship with his creator. Um, now, all of these are caused by an innate hunger, which is which is uh, just which is satisfied by what we call musing. The Bible calls it musing. Now, a word about mu the word musing. Muse is a word that was used for any of the nine sister goddesses presiding over song and poetry and the arts and sciences in Greek mythology. Any one of these nine sister goddesses that presided over those four things, song and poetry and arts and sciences, was called muse. Now, because of that, when a person wrote poetry or read poetry, he was called musing. A person was uh, not having uh, uh, participating arts and sciences and thinking about that and using his mind or meditating. It was called musing. Until now, uh, in the Bible, the word meditation sometimes is translated musing. Hence, we have the word music. The word music <coughs> comes from the word muse, music which means music is supposed to help you to fellowship with your God. That's why it says in Ephesians 5, speaking to yourself with, uh, with psalms and spiritual hymns, you see. And um, so uh, the word museum comes from the word muse. Uh, museum, you go to a place and you see things that, that are there, and you think on the things that are there. Uh, you meditate on the things that are there. You see a, uh, maybe an um, arrow, an uh, arrowhead, and... Somebody said, that arrowhead shot Daniel Boone one time. And you, you, you think, well, I declare, that arrowhead shot Daniel Boone. You think about Daniel Boone. And, uh, and, and, you, and, you, and you relive things. And so the word museum is a word, word that springs from the word muse or the word musing. By the way, <coughs> uh, simply speaking, it means meditation. Now then, if the word muse means meditation, the word amuse the word A or A, the letter A or A, as you know, is the word for know. And so if muse means to meditate, amuse means not meditate or to stop meditation, which means that amusements are the opposite of meditation. God never said we're to amuse. God said we're supposed to muse. God never commanded us to have amusements. God commanded us to have musements or musings. It means that, and by the way, this generation is far too wrapped up in amusements. <coughs> God's people are far too wrapped up in amusements. Um, the sermon, musing or amusing? 
this poor old sin-cursed nation of ours talks too much about a day off instead of six days on. This poor old sin-cursed generation of ours talks too much about diversion from instead of dedication to. Everybody wants to get out of town for the weekend. Everybody wants to take a day off and, and, and so forth. Just drive down Calumet Street. I, I was thinking down Calumet Street a while ago. Just drive down Calumet Street and think of the amusements. What do you come to? Theater? What else? Dairy Queen? <coughs> what else? Bowling Lane? Uh, what else? Sporting store? <coughs> what else? Motorcycle store? What else? Another bowling lane? <coughs> the entire, most of our streets in our cities are amusements. Restaurants, places to eat, golf courses, places to play. Bowling at his place to play. And I'm not against playing, but I'll tell you one thing, brother. There's a certain kind of philosophy in this nation that says you relax because you play too much. It's just not true. People say, yeah, you ought to play a little more because Jesus, he came apart. He didn't come apart uh, to play. He came apart to meditate. I um, get a little worried about, <coughs> about uh, all the playing. More playing than ever before in our country and yet more nervous breakdowns. We have more amusements than ever before and yet more sleeping pills. We have more relaxation than ever before and yet more ulcers. We have more diversion than ever before and yet more schizophrenia. We have more recreation than ever before and yet more mental collapse. We have more vacations than ever before and yet more tranquilizers. We have more fun, so-called, than ever before and yet more heart attacks. We have more taking time off than ever before and yet we have more crack-ups. Listen, uh, taking time off is not going to help your nerves. And, uh, and diversion is not going to help you keep them cracking up. Brother, if vacations would, and, and diversion and taking time off and amusement would settle the nerves of the country, we wouldn't have a single sleeping pill on any, any, any uh, shelf in America tonight. There's a wicked kind of philosophy going around this nation that says work is bad and you ought to get away from it as often as you can so you won't crack up. Ten thousand times more people crack up because they don't work than because they work too much. <clears throat> there, we, we need less fun from routine and more fun in routine. We need less fun from work and more fun in and by work. We need less time off and we ought to change the type of time we have on. We need a peace that endures in trouble and not only comes with, without trouble. You folks always trying to... People come to me every once in a while. Brother House, if you don't get away for a while, if you don't get away for a while and play some ping pong or play some golf or play some billiards or play something like that, you're going to crack up. Oh, that's silly. That's silly. My Bible doesn't say they that wait upon the golf ball shall do their strength. <clears throat> My Bible doesn't say they that wait upon the pool table shall do their strength. My Bible doesn't say they wait upon the ping pong shall do their strength. My Bible says they that wait upon the Lord shall do their strength. I get more work done, feel better than most of you folks take, take a, a two days off a week and two weeks off a month and two months off a year and two years off every decade. And uh, no, America doesn't need more vacation there. America needs more work. Now you sit in the house. How do you get your strength? How do you have recreation? In the first place, you ought to enjoy working. Something wrong with the fellow had, that hadn't rather worked than play. Our country didn't have many sleeping pills back when, 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 when Dad worked on the farm sun up, sundown and came in and swapped the pigs. Didn't have much to worry about. But nowadays, <coughs> you've got to have a day off so you can keep them cracking up. You've got to go watch a guy take a pig that's blown up with air and kick him through some plumbing down the field at the end of a pasture. <coughs> That'll really help you. Or get a stick 
<coughs> get out in the pasture and mow a little, little round spot in it and knock a hole down, knock a ball down into a hole for stupid. You know, you stop and think about that sort of dumb. And uh, that's the way you, that's the way you, you get relaxation. That's the way you live a long time. No, you live, a, uh, you, you live longer when you walk with God than know God than spend some time with God. I'm not against playing God. I'm against playing it like I play it. I, as I told you before, I quit playing because they showed partiality of the other players. They mowed the grass where the other fellows play, play, played and wouldn't mow the grass where I played. And I just quit the game. Uh, <coughs> but uh, I, I'm not against God. But I am against the kind of philosophy that says you're going to crack up your work. Why did the farmers have peace in days gone by? Why did, why did the farmers' wives have peace in days gone by? Why did the blacksmith, I don't know why, because in days gone by, our founding fathers went out in the field and they worked and they worked hard. And while they worked, they talked with their God and their Creator. And God renewed their strength, renewed their energy. And they got through working. They looked with pride and said, My God, I have planted the crop. You're going to have to give the sunshine and the rain. And on their faces they went and prayed for God Almighty to provide for their needs. And they talked with God and their strength was renewed. I'm a little sick of this kind of religion that says, that, that takes away completely the blessed promise of God. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I feel sorry for these people who have to go out to a, to a big pasture and take a, take a horse and, 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 and skin him <clears throat> and make a baseball out of his hide and st- stuff it full of junk and take a stick and knock that horse over a fence out in the outfield. Throw around these big grown men throwing a horse around each other and kicking a little, uh, little, little, little uh, blown up pig each other. Big grown men. And they make hundreds of thousands of dollars. That kind of foolishness. Play for Dallas next week in the Super Bowl. <coughs> no, I'm not against football, but I'm, I'm against having to have it. I'm not against golf, but I'm against having to have it. I'm not against a day off. But I'm against having to have it. If this Bible be true, blessed friends, all you need to do to re- renew your strength is wait upon God. And this old busy generation coming and going, nobody spends much time alone. Everybody's always with somebody. And nobody, Mama used to spend time turning and talking to God and singing and talking to God and stirring the, the washing out in the old wash pot and talking to God. But this old generation of we got to get together. Hail, hail, the gang's all here. And what do we care? I won't, I won't put all the words in it there. But hail, hail. Come on, folks, gather around. <coughs> Let's have it in the party. Let's get together another time. Oh, Tom Foolery. Let's get alone for a while. Let's learn to know God. Learn to know ourselves. David said, I commune with myself. And most of us don't know ourselves. Many of us are never alone. Never alone. We need to learn solitude's better than society and silence is better than speech. And our lives soon would drop with pearls if we would dive down deep into, into the fathomless ocean of God's grace and come up with a, with a big barrel of meditation and spend some time alone with God. Once again, we'd know what it is to have the blessings of God in this nation. I want to pastor a people who are clean, but I want to pastor a people who walk with God. Clean people. Well, folks who walk with God get clean. The young man said last night, I <coughs> said, Pastor, said, uh, how, um, how can you break up the fallow ground? How can you really get 
the sin out of your life. First thing you've got to know is know what the sin is in your life. How do you know what the sin is in your life? Running around with somebody that doesn't sin. You know, I get with Brother Vineyard, and we're, we, we spend a little time together. And then I go look in the mirror. <coughs> Boy, I look like I got a big head of hair. <laughs> because I've been looking at a fellow that's got less hair than I got. Want to bet on that? And, uh, but uh, I can look at uh, <coughs> some of you fellows, and uh, I can feel like uh, Samson of old. But I get, uh, I talk sometimes to these young boys at the college. I look at them. And then I go to the restroom and maybe wash my face or take a drink of water or take some vitamins or something. I look in the mirror and I say, Good night, you're a slick bald. <laughs> and uh, you know why? Because in comparison, I don't have much hair. But uh, compared to a lot of people, for example, I, uh, if some great big muscle-bound fella comes to my office, uh, I go look at my physique in the mirror, and I say, Good night, boy, you built like a milk bottle. <laughs> Brother Sully comes to my office, go look in the mirror, and I say, Hello, Charles Atlas. How you doing there, buddy? I feel like a muscle-bound giant. Uh, what I'm trying to say is, if you walk with God and not man, you'll find out about your sins. When Isaiah saw the Lord, he said, Woe is me. He didn't say, Woe is my brother. He didn't say, Woe is my neighbor. He didn't say, Woe is my Sunday school teacher. Woe is my pastor. Woe are my members. He said, Woe is me. Why? You saw the Lord high and holy and lifted up. And whenever you get to the place where you see the Lord, then you're going to realize that you have some sin. Uh, let me illustrate. I told this young man last night. <laughs> I said, you know, if your breast smelled bad tonight, I wouldn't tell you about it. I don't know you that well. But if I got to know you better and became a good friend, I'd say, look, before you leave, better do something about that breath. Uh, for example... If I, uh, if I talk to you, brother, we, uh, let's see, uh, yeah, I don't know you quite well, good enough to talk about the breath. But let's take, for example, brother, brother Dr. Helton. I know him pretty well. If Dr. Helton had bad breath, don't you think a good friend as I am, I ought to tell him about it? Dr. Helton, can I talk to you for a few minutes, please? Uh, <coughs> why? Because we're good friends. Let's suppose that, uh, that I had something on the lapel of my coat, maybe, and uh, I didn't know it. A good friend would tell me. But maybe if somebody didn't know me very well, they would want to say, Dr. Howes, you've got something on, uh, something on the lapel of your coat. But if somebody knew me well, I think Brother Fisk would tell me. I think Dr. Vineyard, these men on the platform, I think they would tell me. Now, one reason why God doesn't tell you about your sins, you don't know him enough. You get where you know God, God will say, hey, you got something on your coat there. Or God will say, hey, you got some bad breath there. What is it? It means most of us just don't talk with God. Ere you left your room this morning, did you think to pray? In the name of Christ, your Savior, did you sue for loving favor as a strength today? Oh, how praying rests the weary. Prayer can change the night today. So when life seems dark and dreary, don't forget to pray. How long has it been since you spent 30 minutes communing? Musing. David said, when I muse with musing, the fire fell. And did you know that that's one of the greatest secrets to success in the entire Bible? Let me give an example. How about, um, how about Psalm 1? Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor setteth the see the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. Now get this. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. Now what will that meditator be? He should be like a tree planted by the river of waters that bringeth forth his fruit in this season. His leaf also shall not wither. And get this. 
whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Listen, put that on the list if you want to be a success, young men of God. <coughs> Meditate. Meditate. Spend time in meditation. The Bible says one of the five prerequisites for prosperity in God's work is to meditate. You've heard me say this again and again, and I'll say it again and again in the future. When young men of God come to me and ask me what is the most important thing for a preacher, I always answer, walk with God. Walk with God. There's absolutely no substitute in this world for it. Folks laugh at me sometimes and make fun because I don't fellowship. What we call fellowship, it's mostly gossipship is what most of it is. And folks say, sometimes I'm not, uh, I'm not, what's the word, uh, fellowshipy, and I'm not, uh, what's the word, not uh, uh, communicable, and so forth. Because I won't go sit around a, a table and at, late at night with a bunch of other preachers and run down every other preacher in America. No, I'm not going to do it. Why? Good night, God's waiting for me back home, that's why. Why should I spend my time talking? Now, I'm not against fellowship. No, I'm not. And I'm not against talking to people and having fellowship. But I'm against this kind of busy life that has time for school and has time for bus and has time for church and has time for play and has time for family and has time for everything in the world. But spending time with God, that's hypocrisy. And do you, listen, But you say, I don't have time. Then take time. But Brother House, I'm, I'm too busy to meditate. Then get on busy. Like you're saying, I'm too busy driving a car to go to the service station to get gasoline. Like I say, I'm too busy working to go to the table to eat. Like I say, I'm too busy, I'm too busy uh, keeping warm to turn on the fuel or put fuel, get some fuel. No, the very energy of all the Christian life is wrapped up in the time you spend with your God. Oh, listen to me. <clears throat> if you spend time with God in musing, not amusing, musing. There's success. There's strength. There's prosperity. Sometime you get that first chapter of Joshua and read it. Joshua's taken over after Moses is gone. The great Moses. I think the greatest man that ever breathed the breath on the face of this earth apart from our Lord himself was Moses. Moses. The man who could lead two and a half or three million Jews out of bondage. Moses. The man that could take a rod and smite a, a sea and walk over on dry ground. Moses. man who could smite a rock in Horeb and get enough water to feed three million Jews. Moses. A man who could come to God and get God to give quail for a whole month to feed his people. Moses. man who could go on Mount Sinai and talk face to face with God as a friend and bring back the tablets of stone after having intimate fellowship with God. Moses. Who could lead two and a half to three million Jews for forty years without a place to stay, sleeping in tents for forty long years. Moses, a man that could pray down food and pray down fire and pray down water from God and be a leader like which the world has never seen. Moses is gone. And now a young man rises on the scene to take Moses' place. His name is Joshua. You check and see what God told Joshua to do. One thing God told Joshua to do was meditate in his precepts and meditate on the Lord. I don't care how many degrees you have. I don't care how much talent you have. I don't care how much ability you have. I don't care what kind of personality you have. I don't care how much dynamic you have. I don't care how charming you are. I don't care how funny you are. You will fail unless you learn to walk with your God and meditate and muse with your God. Again, I say I'm not preaching against bowling. I'm not preaching against golf. And I'm not preaching against baseball. And I'm not preaching against football. 
I'm preaching against this kind of fundamental Christianity we have nowadays that spends more time with the people than it does with God. I'm against this kind of fundamental Christianity that never knows how to be alone. It's afraid to be alone. Going from one convention to another, and one gathering to another, and one party to another, and one fellowship to another, and one yak-yak session to another, and one rap session to another, and one bull session to another. If I know one thing about this book, and if I know one thing about the God of this book, Christianity, and powerful churches, and powerful ministries, and powerful soul winning, and success in God's work, is wrapped up when God's people learn to talk to our Creator and beg for power and plead for power till God in His wisdom and power comes down and does the supernatural in our presence. I will not cheat you by not spending time with God. I will not do it. The first week I don't spend time with my God, I mean hours alone with my God. I won't walk through that door. And I won't sit in this chair. And I won't get behind this pulpit. I won't do it. For a preacher to stand behind the pulpit on the Lord's day and not have been with God that week is robbery, thievery, hypocrisy, and it, it disqualifies him to be in the pulpit on Sunday. Let me say, men of God, you young men, I want you, while you're at Howells Anderson College, I want you to get the rousements of Jim Vineyard. I want you to get the concern of a John Colston. I want you to get the care for the fallen of a Harold Sullivan. I want you to get the soul winning of a C.W. Fisk. I want you to get the, uh, oh, let's see, shall I say, the uh, crookedness, spiritual crookedness of a Max Helton. <laughs> and the scholarship of a Wendell Evans. All of it. But don't you dare. Don't you dare. Walk out the doors of Howells Anderson College and of this, this church without getting one thing in your breast that is indelibly imprinted upon your soul. And that is you will not be God's man till you become God's man and know God and walk with God. You know why sometimes deacons get cantankerous and cattywampus? They don't spend 30 minutes a week with God. It's a shame to be a deacon in a Baptist church and not spend 30 minutes alone with God. My Bible says deacons were men, spirit-filled men. Spirit-filled men walk with God. Sunday school teachers don't spend an hour a week sometimes alone with the God of their creation. No wonder we're powerless. No wonder our pews are empty. No wonder our altars are not used. No wonder our churches close on Sunday night. No wonder we have no breath of heaven. No wonder nobody's ever changed. I've stood behind this pulpit or one like it for almost 17 years on this corner. I've seen the strongest sinners crumble underneath the preaching of the gospel behind this pulpit. I've seen people that came to, to make, make fun and scoff. All of a sudden, during the invitation, time began to tremble. I've seen the tears begin to flow in the, in the, invitation, in the sermon, sermon time. I've seen the hardest of sinners. I've seen atheists come here to mock and make fun and walk down here and get born again before they left this auditorium. I've seen it for almost 17 years. You don't get that because you got a bunch of corny old sto stories or a bunch of jokes. You don't get it that way. John Colston on the radio told a joke the other day. Oh, my soul, talk about corn. Billings is original compared to John Colston. He said, you know what has uh, five things that have milk? Cottage cheese, 
ice cream, and three cows. <coughs> I don't blame you. I feel the same way. <coughs> but if you think for a single minute, young men, you've got to go out from this place with a few stories and succeed. That, no, that's not what makes it. No, sir. You think for a single minute you can get your sermon on unisex and God to help us to get some on that. But if you think for a second that just conviction and just rousements and just humor and just dynamic is going to move people no ten thousand times no. What causes hardened sinners to crumble in this building? What caused this stuttering, coughing preacher Sunday after Sunday to come behind this pulpit and again and again and again I've seen it? What causes it? If I know one little bit of the secret to my ministry, of course it's thousands of people working for God, but if I know one secret, little secret to my little ministry, it's wrapped up in this. A long time ago, somebody told me I ought to walk with God. And I've spent a lot of lonesome hours, and I've spent a lot of hours by myself, and sometimes folks say that I'm not very sociable. But brother, I know where my, butter, I know where my bread's buttered, and I know where the power comes from. And I, if I divorce myself from that holy anointing, if I divorce myself from that contact with the Creator, if I divorce myself from that fellowship with the God who made me and that source of all spiritual power, this church wouldn't last for two months. Two months. All is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One comes down. We used to sing that when I was a kid. Brethren, we have met to worship and adore the Lord our God. Let us pray that holy manna shall be showered all around. He goes on to say, all is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One comes down. And it is. <clears throat> our, our fundamental churches have beautiful buildings now. Our fundamental churches have the pretty... And I'm, I rejoice. I'm glad that nowadays you see a pretty building is not a Lutheran or Episcopalian used at the fundamental Baptist church nowadays. <laughs> I'm glad about that. But, brother, I'll be honest with you. I had to set us a tent up out here on the parking lot with a few little gas stoves to warm by and walk on sawdust and take these pews and take a knife like this knife out of my pocket and take these pews and rip them up and to let this beautiful drape and these beautiful carpets and these nice pews Cause us to lose that holy breath of God that Billy Sunday had. And this church has known all through these years, you listen to me, you listen to me, you listen to me. Never think for a single minute it's anything but God working in response to his people who walk with him. One reason for our failure. One reason for our coldness in our churches. We're so much more concerned about a amusement than we are amusement. <clears throat> I'm not against the church softball team. But, brother, if you can play on a softball team on Tuesday night and don't come to prayer meeting on Wednesday night, I hope you fall, stumble, and are going into home base. You're not right with God. You're not what you ought to be. I'm not against the church having a dartball team. But if you can go to dartball and play on the dartball team and lay out a church on Wednesday night or Sunday night, you've got a amusement. What you need is amusement. play on a ball team for a church unless this book and God's power and blessing means ten times more to them than a ball team does. People all across America <coughs> say, Brother House, what do you do for your young people? Got to amuse them. <clears throat> no, we need to amuse them. 
Use them. I'm tired of Dad singing Amazing Grace and Mom singing Amazing Grace and Junior singing some little rock rock beat with a bunch of little jar, uh, modern jargon words to them like an old man upstairs looking down on me. Awfully. Nowadays you've got to have a psychedelic coffee shop to draw the young people. If I've got to have a psychedelic coffee shop, have a second-rate hippie organization, and have a long-haired bunch of young people playing a guitar and, and with some so-called rock music, uh, with some put to some some modern religious words to get a crowd of young people, I'll stand up here and preach to a bunch of old graybeards. I won't get them that way. I won't do it. We need musing and not amusing, amusement and not amusement. Now, on what should we muse? In the first, first place, we ought to muse on God. On God. My meditation of Him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord, the psalmist said in the 101st Psalm. Meditate upon God. That's why God gave us the Lord's Supper. So we might meditate upon Himself. What else, on what else should we meditate? How about Philippians 4, 8? Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of an honest report, think on these things. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. You ladies that think on these little two-bit, good-for-nothing, sorry afternoon cereals ought to get right with God and muse yourself instead of amuse yourself. Not supposed to think on those dirty triangles. You men, scan the newspaper, try to find some gal in a bikini so you can lust after. My Bible says, what sort of things are pure? Think on these things. What sort of things are just? You folks have to buy the National Enquirer, or the National Star, or the, um, uh, can't think of all of them, where it tells about what movie star has run off with somebody else's uh, concubine, or uh, what famous figures are having affairs. God pity your wicked mind. Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are a good report. Good report? You're not supposed to think about gossip. No, sir. Good report. That tells you something bad about somebody. Don't even listen to it. Don't think about it. Come to shut up. Think on these things. America's going to hell because we're thinking hellish things. Our, you, you, some, some of you parents tonight, you have no control whatsoever to, over, over your television set in your house. Some of you, some of you parents have children that are going in, in to the television set and late at night watching this sexy garbage and you're going to answer to God Almighty because of it. Kids are thinking about everything indecent and impure and sordid. You fall in hook, line, and sinker for this Johnny Carson kind of society we have. You can't think of something else to do besides watching Johnny Carson. Why don't you take a ride in the car and pray a while? Why don't you get your Bible out and read it a while? 
what kind of Christianity is it goes to bed at night with that kind of stuff on your mind. We ought to think about pure things. Meditate on good things. And then we ought to think about what our God does. David said, When I consider the the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, thou hast crowned him with glory and honor, thou hast put all things under his feet. David said, When I consider... And when I think on all that God does, every once in a while somebody will write me a note. And they'll say, Brother Howells, I was thinking about you today. I was thinking about the load you carry and all the things you have to do. I like that. I like that. And I think God likes it too. You ought to look up to God and say, God, I was thinking about you today. I was thinking about all the things you have to do. And the Father says, I'm sure glad you're thinking about me. Every once in a while... I'll get a letter from somebody. Some pre- preacher the other day sent me a poem he wrote, he wrote about me. I got everybody writing poetry. Everybody. They say if that stuff I write is poetry, they can try it. You can try it too. <laughs> Everybody's writing poetry. And uh, <clears throat> this preacher wrote, wrote a poem about me. And he, he told me, he said, I was on the airplane late at night. I was thinking about you. I wrote a poem about you and to you. And I got thinking, there was a fellow up in the sky in the wee hours of the morning thinking about me. I like that. And the dear Lord likes it too. The Lord likes it when you spend time. Think about how good He is and how wonderful He is. And then you look up to heaven and say, Dear Lord, I've been thinking about you lately. I've been thinking about you, how wonderful you are. I've been thinking about how generous you are. I've been thinking about how kind you are. And you muse and think on these things. I hasten to say, and I'm almost through, we ought to think about what He says. The Bible says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein night and day. That's what God said to Joshua. Thou shalt meditate therein night and day. That means God wants us to stay in this book and meditate about it. Here's what it means. Open the Bible and read about it. Find out what it says. And go along think how good it is. My, how good the Bible is and how good God is, and how blessed it is to be His child, and think on the things of God. Over in the book of Ezekiel, there's an amazing story. The story is told about a vision that the man of God had. The vision was that he was taken to to, to a certain place in the God's house, and a hole was bored into a certain little door. And the folks were asked to look inside. The prophet was asked to look inside. And inside that little door, there was a room. In that room, there were all kinds of idols and all kinds of wicked things. It was called the chambers of the imagery of the men of God. Oh, how many times I said, Oh, God, keep my chamber clean. Keep my chamber pure. I can't preach as good as John Rice, but I can think as pure as John Rice. I can't preach as good as R.G. Lee, but I can think as pure as R.G. Lee. I can't teach the Bible as good as Ole Mardihan could, but I can I can think as pure as Ole Mardihan could. Let me ask you a question tonight. What's going on down your chamber? Huh? Hey. 
Hey, Deacon, what you been thinking about lately? What's going on down that secret place? That place nobody else goes. That little secret spot. Your wife never enters into that room. Your children never see what's in there. That place way, way, way down in here. Way down in here. Where two people see. You and God. You and God. Listen, you keep that spot clean, all the devils in hell can't keep you from succeeding. You get that spot dirty and all the talent, ability, and degrees you'll get will be to no avail. Keep the chamber clean. How do you do it? <clears throat> you spend time with God. You spend time musing and not amusing. Young people, what you been thinking about this week? Huh? You've been wearing your, your, your dresses a little low so a fellow can get a good look at your bosom? Harlot. A wicked woman stirring the evil passions of men. You like to have a sweater because you got a big bosom and you have that sweater real, real tight so you can show uh, really what you got? Heathen woman, pagan girl, luster, passion stir. You'll be ashamed of yourself. Young man, what you been looking at this week? What you been reading? Huh? When you walk by the news shop, do you hope to get a little glance of Playboy? How about it, men? <clears throat> Somebody said, well, a man just can't be pure as a woman. No, that's Tom Fooley. A man can be as pure as a woman, too. Huh? What you been doing with your spare time? Huh? Ladies, what you been watching on television? Sometimes folks say, well, Brother Howes and I just don't agree on a few things. Goes a lot deeper than that, brother. A lot deeper than that. There's something back there you, you got hidden in your chamber you don't want to admit. It'll come out one of these days. It'll come out. It'll be out. Young people say, I don't agree with the preacher. We just don't agree on slacks. There's more to it than slacks, honey. There's cigarette tucked down there somewhere, too. Or there's a little marijuana, you sucked on some marijuana back yonder too. Or you got earplugs on your radio so you can listen to that dirty rock music too. There's more to it than that. There's more to it than that. If you don't keep your mind clean, you will not be prosperous for God. David said, when I was musing, the fire came. Musing. 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 Meditation. Walk with God. Fellowship. Call you and call it what you will. We're dying tonight for lack of it. Make you some time. Make yourself do it. When I was musing, the fire fell. When I was musing, the fire fell. When I was musing, the fire fell. Let us pray. Father, I pray you would speak to the hearts of my people tonight. I pray in some way, oh my God, that you would help us to learn to walk with you. Oh, help us to rise above the cosmos, this arrangement of this old world. Help us not to be sucked in to this old world that's set up. 
help us to be strangely, have a strange affinity with our great God. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. How long did you spend with God last week? Huh? How long did you spend with God last week? Sort of sad, isn't it? Sort of sad. When I was musing, the fire fell. I wonder how many would say, Brother Hiles, you hit me right between the eyes tonight, right smack dab between the eyes. I've just not spent much time with God. Say, so why'd you preach this sermon tonight? Because the holidays just ended. That's why. So busy. So busy with things and people. The great God of the universe begs for our attention. We won't even give it to him. I wonder who had said tonight, Brother Hiles, he hit me right between the eyes. The Holy Spirit spoke to me tonight. Pray for me. Would you raise your hand, please? All over the building. All over the building. God bless you, Father. I pray tonight that people that don't know thee very well shall get acquainted. I pray that people that once knew thee well but have broken that fellowship should get reacquainted. I pray that people that spend more time with each other than with thee will get right. I pray that those of us who spend most of our time being amused shall spend more of our time just musing. Speak to my people tonight. Make my people people of God. Dear Lord, let the critics call us shallow, but let it not be true. Let the people say, Hiles builds a bunch of shallow Christians. Let them say it, but don't let it be true. May my people be deep. May they go deep enough in the great ocean of meditation to come up with great pearls from paradise. Bless these dear ones who've raised their hands tonight. Now our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. How many would say, Brother Hiles, I don't even know that I'm God's child. I don't even know that if I died tonight I'd go to heaven, but I wish I did. Brother Hiles, pray for me. I'd like to be saved. I don't know that I am, but I wish I did know it. On the main floor first, on the lower floor, how many would say, I don't know that I'm saved, but I wish I did. Pray for me. Would you lift your hand, please? On the lower floor, would you raise your hand? God bless you. Who else? On the main floor. You don't know that you're saved, but you wish you did. Would you lift your hand, please? Let's go upstairs to the balcony. Who upstairs would say, pray for me, I don't know that I'm saved. God bless you on the back row. Who else would say, pray for me, I don't know that I'm saved, but I wish I did. Would you lift your hand, please? <coughs> Way up high, would you raise it? God bless you, fellow. God love you. Who else upstairs would say, include me in the prayer? Would you lift your hand, please? Our Heavenly Father, I pray for all of these who need Christ. I pray they'll come to know him tonight. I pray for those of us who know him in salvation. I'll come to know him in reality, in fellowship, as we spend our time with him in these days. Now, heads are bowed. If you don't know that you're saved, I want you to come to the front. We have assistant pastors here that can show you how to be saved. We have experts that know how to point you to heaven. If you don't know that you're going to heaven, I'm going to ask you to leave your seat and come to the nearest aisle and down the aisle to the front. Don't let anything keep you from coming. 
If you need to tra- get baptized, of course you come. If you need to join this church for transfer, then you come. If you need to just come and transact some business with God, you need not take the hands of the men. You just talk to God.